Lord, make us holy, make us whole. We bring to you in this hour our brokenness. Those things that have been shattered in our minds, our hearts, and our souls. Those things that we have caused to break in others. Forgive us, Lord. Heal us. Renew and restore us once again. Lord, we come before you in this hour to praise your name and to hear your voice. So set me aside that you can be heard and seen and felt clearly. In your name, I pray. Amen. Dick Hoyt died Wednesday a week ago. He was 80 years old from Holland, Massachusetts, which is about an hour outside of Boston. His son, Rick Hoyt, is 59 years old and still alive today. Does anybody know who they are? Anybody who wasn't here first service? <laughs> Pam? It is. The Boston Marathon give you a hint. He was the one that year after year pushed his son in a wheelchair in the Boston Marathon. Rick was a quadriplegic. He was born with cerebral palsy. He had no use of his limbs and he could not speak. At age 10 in 1972, engineers from Tufts University created a computer that would allow him with his head to attach a to, tip, to uh, tap a pad that would pick out the alphabet so that he could speak. When Rick was 15, he pleaded with his dad to participate in a five-mile benefit run. Now his dad was not a runner, but he said he would do it. So he pushed his son in the wheelchair for five miles, and they finished second to last. And they kept running for the next 40 years. When my dad and I are out there on a run, a special bond forms between us, Rick Hoyt told the New York Times, and it feels like there is nothing that my dad and I cannot do. They ran the Boston Marathon 32 times between 1980 and 20. 14. They also ran triathlons, and they ran the Ironman six times. Now, do you know what an Ironman is? It is 112, or first, it's a two-and-a-half-mile swim. It's a 112-mile bike ride, and then it's a 26-mile run. And he did this all in the swim by pulling his son in a boat and swimming, by riding tandem in the bicycle with his son who could not pedal, and then pushing his son in a wheelchair for 26 miles. And he did this one time in under 14 hours, and he continued to compete. A story of strength and courage. Rick Hoyt was able to graduate from Boston University in 1993. Rick, the son, said, When I am running, it feels that my disability disappears. Dick, the dad, said, Rick gave him the biggest gift of all. He helped me fulfill my role as a father. Now this story of Dick and Rick Hoyt's one of the most powerful modern day stories of transformation and I believe even healing that I know. They inspired each other. 
They believed in each other. Rick's physical condition didn't change much, but Dick was not limited by his son's condition. He was not stopped by the pain he must have experienced, but motivated by love. Today, they left us a beautiful story of strength and courage. Jesus' healing ministry even offers us a greater story. Jesus transforms our infirmities that allow us to move beyond the limitations these infirmities cause. And when we bring them together, when we bring our belief and action together, it brings a greater result for the healing and health of the whole. Those who've experienced the healing and those who live in the community of which the healing took place. The community reached out to honor Rick and Dick Hoyt in 2013 by placing a bronze statue near the beginning of the Boston Marathon. We today seek to honor God and glorify God in our works and our, our works of wholeness that we now have the opportunity to share these treasured stories with others and put what we have learned into action. Will there be pain? Absolutely. But there are also, we can know and be confident that in the end, love will win. This is Jesus' story. This is his story, this Holy Week, this Palm Sunday, Sunday as we begin his journey to the cross. This is Jesus' story once again as we experience today another one of his healing stories. This time, it's the story and the healing of the paralytic. So I hope that you'll join me in the scriptures that you have brought with you, your Bible, your devices, or your worship guide has it online. I hope you'll get your Bible or your devices, or if you downloaded the worship guide, look in the worship guide as we read together the gospel lesson from Matthew. It's chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Let us hear the word of God. And after getting into a boat, he crossed the sea, and he came to his own town. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus perceived their thoughts. Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your bed, and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. When the crowd saw it, they were filled with awe. And they glorify God who had given such authority to human beings. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now keep your worship God handy or your device in which your Bible that you see the scripture. Let's look at it from the beginning. Where is Jesus headed in the first verse? We think so. But what does it say? His own town. 
And you would think that's his hometown, but not necessarily. His own town. Matthew doesn't tell us in this scripture, but Mark 2 does. It's Capernaum. Capernaum has begun the central place of ministry for Jesus. And when he arrives into Capernaum, he encounters a paralytic. Now, how did the paralytic get there? He's brought by his friends. One translation says a bed, others say a mat or a stretcher. They must have believed that Jesus could heal him if they were willing to bring him to Jesus. And without their action, he'd have probably never met Jesus. The paralytic is saved by the faith of his friends. But maybe, perhaps maybe, just maybe, the friends are saved by the paralytic. At the least, the paralytic helps the friends fulfill their role as a friend. On the surface, I think this passage immediately begs the question of, who is a friend that you and I know? Who is someone that you and I know that needs to encounter the healing presence of Jesus? What action do we need to take to help them get to Jesus? Who is going to bring them to Jesus if not us? Or maybe, if we're honest, we're the ones. We're the very ones who need to encounter the healing presence of Jesus. Are we willing to bring ourselves to him? Are we willing to lay our infirmities in front of him? We cannot force a person to accept Christ. I cannot accept Christ for you. We can only point the way. Our vision statement purposely states that of being a vital and growing community where Christ transforms lives, not us. The healing story this morning presents an interesting question. Look at verse 2. Or I know they're not listening in your worship God. Look at the next couple of lines in your worship God. What does Jesus tell the man first? What does he tell him? Your sins are forgiven. Why? Why does he say that at the beginning, that his sins are forgiven? There's an unbreakable connection between suffering and sin that was part of the Orthodox Jewish belief of the time. They believed that sickness was a result of sin, and no sickness could be cured until their sin was forgiven. Perhaps this man, perhaps this paralytic himself needed convincing that his sins had been, had been forgiven. Maybe he was convinced that his illness was a result of sin. The onlookers probably did. We've seen in our weeks together that there's so much more to healing than physical. Specifically, we know that the mind can and does influence the physical condition of the body. Maybe that's all the healing that the paralytic really needed. But the story this morning does not end there, at least thanks to the scribes who were present. Jesus doesn't hear the scribes speak. He knows their thoughts. The one who has the power and authority from God to heal sins also knows their thoughts. In this scripture today, Jesus dared to forgive the sins in their eyes, the scribes' eyes, this act is the prerogative of God. 
Therefore, Jesus has insulted God. But Jesus didn't argue with the scribes. He knew what the scribes thought. He knew what the scribes believed, that no paralytic could get up and walk unless their sins were forgiven. So if he was able to make the man walk, that would be proof that the man's sins were forgiven and that Jesus' claim to forgive sins was true. So what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He told the man to get up, take your mat, take your bed, and go home. And what did the man do? He went home. Jesus showed that he was able to offer healing, not just to the man's body, but to his soul, not to just his outward infirmities, but to his inward spirit. Dick Hoyt's devotion to take his son running helped the sons disappear, at least in the son's mind. The son was alive like nowhere else when his dad was pushing him in the wheelchair or pulling him in the boat. And if you hear Rick talk in the sense, express his words, he always shares that he's running when his dad is pushing or pulling him. We are all in need of healing. We are all in need of God's forgiveness. Our physical healing is connected to our spiritual healing. And our spiritual healing is connected to our physical healing. A healed body and a peaceful spirit go hand in hand, right? If our body's not operating effectively, we're frustrated. Jesus' healing touch may not result in our body being made whole, but it does wonders for our spirit. That's something to praise God for. And speaking of praising God, look to verse 8. Verse 8 in your Bibles or at the end of the words in your worship God this morning. What are the crowds filled with? Awe. The crowds are filled with awe. Now who had Jesus been conversing with in these previous verses? Was it the crowds? It was the scribes. There's no mention of the crowds yet. We know they're probably there. The crowds are praising God, not the scribes, the ones who are right there on the front line. But it's the crowds who praise God. And what are they praising God for? Look at the next few verses in verse 8. What are they praising God for? Is it the healing of the paralytic? No, what's the A word that's used there? Authority. Authority of what? To what? To forgive sin. The authority to forgive sins. They are praising God. The crowds are filled with awe and praising God for the healing of sins. Not the physical healing. For the spiritual healing. How often do we get that backwards in our own life? Today's gospel passage reminds us that Jesus is ushering in a new community. We call that community the kingdom of God. Things will be different. Things will look different. Things will be understood differently. Maybe this connection between sin and suffering will be dissolved. 
Jesus' authoritative word and actions will cause suspicion and generate conflict many times from here on out. And we know what happens on the Friday of Holy Week. Today's scripture from Matthew, and the one that I shared with you at the beginning, reminding us that this is Palm Sunday, allows us today to look at two parades. One is someone being carried on a stretcher or a mat or a bed. And the other is a man on a donkey. Both of these parades, both of these stories could be perceived as weak. And yet what we learn is there's much strength. There's much courage. We also learn that faith can be expressed in words and actions. Faith can be seen in our desire for healing and in our desire to help others. How Jesus sees faith and acts on it should be integrated into how we feel, how we see, how we act. Not only can Jesus cure us from physical ailment, Jesus heals us from sin. There's nothing we can do or say that is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. This is where today's story and and this Palm Sunday, this journey of Jesus entering Jerusalem, connect together. For Jesus is heading toward the cross. And what awaits him at the cross but death? And there's nothing, as we know, not even death, that keeps us from God's love. The crowd and the healing narrative shared today from Matthew responded to Jesus by praising God. The crowd on Palm Sunday shouts, Hosanna. We too are called to respond. We too are called to shout hosannas and testify to the power and authority of God. We're called to a life of faith and action. We're called to move from healing and wholeness to ministry and witness. We're called to invite others to join us. Or maybe, maybe we're called to push them in a wheelchair or pull them in a boat or ride tandem with them on a bicycle, so that for a moment, just for a moment, the disability or infirmity they have disappears. And for a moment, our call to be a Christ follower is fulfilled. What will be your story? What will be your story? What will be your story and yours And my story of strength and courage by which others will know us. May it be one of faith and action following the example of Christ. The name of God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit.